One who works in devotion, who is a pure soul and who controls his mind and senses, is dear to everyone and everyone is dear to him. Although working, such a man is never entangled. Purport. One who is on the path of liberation by Krishna consciousness is very dear to every living being and every living being is dear to him. This is due to his Krishna consciousness. Such a person cannot think of any living being as separate from Krishna just as the leaves and branches of a tree are not separate from the tree. He knows very well that by pouring water on the root of a tree, the water will be distributed to all the leaves and branches. Or, by supplying food to the stomach, the energy is automatically distributed throughout the body. Because one who works in Krishna consciousness is servant to all. He is very dear to everyone. And because everyone is satisfied by his work, he is pure in consciousness. Because he is pure in consciousness, his mind is completely controlled. And because his mind is controlled, his senses are also controlled. Because his mind is always fixed on Krishna, there is no chance of his being deviated from Krishna. Nor is there a chance that he will engage his senses in matters other than the service of the Lord. He does not like to hear anything except topics relating to Krishna. He does not like to eat anything which is not offered to Krishna. Uh, and he does not wish to go anywhere if Krishna is not involved. Therefore his senses are controlled. A man of controlled senses cannot be offensive to anyone. One may ask, why then was Arjuna offensive in battle to others? Wasn't he in Krishna consciousness? Arjuna was only superficially offensive because, as, he has, already, uh, as has already been explained in the second chapter, all the assembled persons on the battlefield would continue to live individually as the soul cannot be slain. So spiritually, no one was killed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Only their dresses were changed by the order of Krishna who was personally present. Therefore Arjuna, while fighting on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, was not really fighting at all. He was simply carrying out the orders of Krishna in full Krishna consciousness. Such a person is never entangled in the reactions of work. Yoga Yukto Vishudatma Vijitatma Jitendriya Sarvabhutatma Bhutatma Kurvanapina Lipite, one who works in devotion, who is a pure soul, who controls his mind and senses, is dear to everyone, and everyone is dear to him. Though always working, such a man is never entangled. So the point being made here in verse and purport is that there is no fear uh, for following very strictly and enthusiastically the order of the spiritual master uh, or as Prabhupada explains here the order of Krishna you simply carry out like Arjuna the orders of Krishna in full Krishna consciousness such a person is never entangled in the reactions of work and Prabhupada explains this by saying Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra superficially it appeared he was even having to kill people his own family members but actually because he was following the orders of Krishna and Krishna had explained in the uh, second chapter that actually no one is being slain because they're all eternal and in the eleventh chapter furthermore he very clearly points out that anyway all these personalities gathered on this field are going to be killed by me uh, I have already uh, ruled they will die so he told Arjuna, you can be my instrument in this fight or you can choose not to, but in any case, by your nature, you will be engaged in battle. So why not do on my behalf? If you follow my order, then you'll be free of any kind of entanglement. 
So this is the point that the order of Krishna, the order of Guru, Krishna is the original Guru, and the order of our spiritual master, present spiritual master, who is uh, visible before us or uh, who has uh, initiated us into the process of Krishna consciousness, giving a shiksha. That order is the same as the order of Krishna. Yasya Devi Parabhaktir Yata Devi Tata One should see the order of Guru and Krishna as being the same. Such a person who works like that, with that vision, strictly following order of Guru and Krishna, he will very quickly realize the complete purport of all Shastric injunctions, all Shastric statements, all uh, Shastric learning, everything will become manifest in his heart. So the order of Guru is very, very powerful. It is very, very powerful and it is so powerful that even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, although he's Krishna himself, he had to abide by the order of spiritual master Ishwara Puri, who was the spiritual master of Lord Chaitanya. He sent Govinda after when Ishwara Puri was leaving his body. Then he gave final orders to Govinda who is disciple of Ishwara Puri, god-brother of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and also one other disciple. He gave final instructions to them, you go to Jagannath Puri and you serve uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You become his personal servant. So, then they appeared in Jagannath Puri and they approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very humbly. We have been sent here by Ishwara Puri, Guru Maharaj, to become your personal servants. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, What is this? You are the servants of my spiritual master. You are my god-brothers. How is it possible I can accept service from you? I do not find this to be very pleasing. Uh, they said, they answered, That's all right, your sentiment. But <coughs> Guru Maharaj has ordered us to come here. He's given us this order. So then Lord Chaitanya, he turned to Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya, who was a great Vedic scholar, and said, uh, Bhattacharya ji, what do you think? And Sarvabhuma answered, the order of the Guru is very powerful. <laughs> it must be followed by everyone. So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had to accept. <laughs> So, yes, so just like we sing uh, in the Guru Puja, Guru Mukha Padma Bhakya Chitte Te Koriya Aikya Ara Na Koriya Mani Asha So, we should never disagree with the Guru Mukha Padma Bhakya The words which emanate from the lotus-like lips of the spiritual master we should always agree, we should always be eager to execute that order. And if you do that, arana koriya mani asha, then your mind becomes cleansed, your mind becomes purified, and you will actually realize uh, very quickly the full purport of the message of the spiritual master. Because in the beginning, following this 
Guru Vakya, the instruction of the spiritual master. It may seem, uh, even Prabhupada points out like this in, in elsewhere in Bhagavad Gita, that it shouldn't be done as if in military discipline. So, you know, this idea of military discipline, uh, it means you get an order, you just do it. You don't think about it, you just do it. So someone may object, well, but but this isn't this like blind following? Yes, it may seem like that in the beginning because after all we are blind. We are blind. So what choice does a blind man have? If one can, who can see takes him by the sleeve of his shirt and says, come this way, shall the blind man say, oh, I think I have a better idea. <laughs> I want to go that way. Well, you fool, if you go that way, you will drop out of the window and fall 20 meters. <laughs> but the blind man, uh, if he's stubborn, no, I cannot accept this discipline. Uh, I must follow my own way. Well, if you're blind, that's very dangerous. So you have to blindly follow in the beginning, because you are blind, but we offer our respectful obeisances to our spiritual master, Sri Guru. We serve him. Why? Because he can open our blinded eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. And then we will actually see. Then we will know it with full, complete knowledge why we must follow his order. In other words, it will become confirmed simply become confirmed by our own realization. And furthermore, we also sing in the morning, Shri Guru Charana Rati Ese Uttamagati Ye Prasadi Pure Sarva Asha So if you follow, if you develop an attachment for following the spiritual master, then all your desires will be fulfilled. Huh? Everything that you ever wanted will come true. Now, wait a minute. What does that mean? Uh, someone may say, well, I, <laughs> I have so many desires. No. Uh, actually, we have to understand this point of fulfilling desires just in terms of this verse. Uh, just in terms of this verse. Vishuddha The soul becomes pure. Vishuddha. Shuddha. Shuddha means pure, good, goodness. Vishuddha means very good. Atma refers to the soul. Yoga yukta vishuddha atma. Vijitatma jitendriya. The soul, purified soul. He works in complete devotion. Yoga yukta. Completely connected with Krishna. Vijitatma. He's self-controlled. Not disturbed by uh, sensual agitation. Uh, like that. Jitendriya. He has conquered the senses. Sarva-bhūtātma, bhūtātma. He's a friend of all living entities. He's dear to everyone. Everyone is dear to him. And kurvanapina lipite. He can do anything for Krishna. And he's never entangled. So this is actually what it means. Satisfying all desires. Becoming completely uh, happy. It's me meant to be understood in terms of this verse. Otherwise, how you will become happy? Because happiness in the bodily conception is not possible. Uh, this is actually not really desiring. If we take the meaning of desire to
to mean desiring to want something that is good for us, want something that is nice for us. That's generally what it's meant when you use this word desire. You desire something nice. You see, so if you understand what is nice, what is the real meaning of nice, it means nice for the soul. So it's first thing, it's nice to realize that we are a soul. Why? Because, uh, like it's explained in Bhagavad Gita, the soul is actually transcendental, cannot be cut by any weapon, burned by fire, cannot be drowned in water, withered by wind. Uh, the soul is transcendental to all the disturbances of material nature. It was never born, it never dies. This is the nature of the soul. So actually everybody would like to be on that platform. I mean, if you ask anyone, would you like to be so situated that you could not be cut by any weapon? <laughs> or burned by any fire? Like this? Everyone would say, oh yes, that sounds wonderful. Well, just understand that you already are on that platform as a spiritual being. That is the real you. So that means that you have to give up the bodily identification. Huh? This is uh, Krishna's whole explanation of happiness in Bhagavad Gita. Just understand who you are. And then you'll become happy. Then all desires are satisfied. You see? Because as spirit soul, we are prasanatma. We are satisfied already. So just understand that. Come to that point of realization. And then you'll see very clearly to desire things for the body huh, is stupidity. It's simply foolishness. Like we said this morning. It is actually uh, a misuse of intelligence. Simply uh, a waste of our uh, good intelligence. So, uh, one can attain this platform of full satisfaction in Krishna consciousness. Again, getting back to this point of following the order of Guru, Yasya Prasada, Bhagavat Prasada. We also sing that song every day. And that says, by the mercy of Krishna, one gets the mercy of Guru, by the mercy of Guru, one gets the mercy of Krishna. And without that mercy of Guru, Nagatir uh, Gutopi, then you cannot attain that goal of full, complete satisfaction in Krishna consciousness. So, order of Guru is very, very powerful. Uh, uh, we must follow it. Huh? And by following it, we are reestablishing our position. Uh, just by following the order of Guru, strictly as in mi military discipline, we are simultaneously re-establishing our spiritual position. So then what is there to lament in this? What is there to lament? Krishna says, because Krishna, he's acting as the Adi Guru, the original Guru in Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita is such a wonderful book, because it's a book specifically designed to destroy all doubts on this path of Krishna Consciousness. So Krishna says, He asks Arjuna, what is there to lament about? Now, why are you lamenting? Big, big words. But they mean nothing. Because, Nashato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate satah ubayarapi drishtundatas tvanyos tattva darshabi 
Those who are seers of the truth, Tattvadarshavi, those who know, they know that of the eternal, there is no cessation, there is no destruction. Nothing will destroy that which is sat, real or eternal. And that which is asat, unreal, it is always destroyed. That's why Krishna says it has really no existence really no existence because it is always going to be destroyed it is unreal asat so who are we are we sat or asat huh? in our actual identity who knows the answer to the simple question <laughs> are we sat or asat huh? yeah. we are sat so we are sat but who really knows that? Only one who is Tattvadarshabi, a seer of the truth. So we have to be trained in this. Huh? You have to be trained to see like this. That's why we accept Guru, to get this training. Guru is Tattvadarshabi, we also must become Tattvadarshabi. Then we will know what our real existence is. Uh, so Krishna says, there's no need for lamentation. Because the Tattva Darshis, those who see in truth, they guarantee us, they guarantee us that we are eternal. We have no beginning and end. We have nothing to lament. The only thing that's fading away, that's disappearing, that is being destroyed in this material world is the forms and features of Maya, which is anyway illusion. And why do you care about that? Why do you care about that, Arjuna? This is Krishna's statement to Arjuna. Why you lament for these family members on the battlefield? Why is it breaking your heart? These are anyway temporary bodies. This grandfather Bhishma, this Duryodhana, your, your military teacher, all these cousin brothers, these are just material bodies standing there. They're anyway going to be finished. Why are you lamenting? Why not see the soul? See that they are eternal and they are all acting under my direction. Every, every living being in this world is anyway acting under my supreme direction. So what is the reason for lamenting? So one has to be trained in this vision. That's why we must accept our heart and soul, the order of Guru. So we can get fixed up in this understanding. And uh, if we are not trained in this vision, if we're not good students or we don't even take to the process at all, then what is our position to uh, judge or to criticize or to disagree with the process? It is just like uh, this point of Tattva Darshavi, series of the truth. So just like when mathematicians, you know, some mathematician, I don't know if you know about this advanced mathematics, very advanced mathematics, but they use all kinds of symbols, their own symbols, they have their own alphabet practically, which uh, cannot be understood by an outsider. So you can just imagine some mathematician, Professor Waterbottle, he's working late at night on his formula, he's written 30 pages of formula calculations, and then at the end he goes, yes, I've got it. And then he, the next day he runs over 
to his friend, another professor, uh, pro Professor Flimplam or whatever, and uh, shows him these cal and him then he looks, goes through every page very carefully. Yes, but if you go to someone who has no idea of mathematics and show him, he won't even know, you know, <laughs> where it starts, where it ends. <laughs> Do I hold it this way or this way? <laughs> Because everything is a mystery to him. The first symbol on the page, he doesn't even know what it means. Some squiggly line. What does it mean? So these professors of mathematics who can read these symbols, they are in the mathematical area, they're tattvadarshabi, they are seers of the truth. They can see the truth in these symbols. Others who are not trained, they don't see anything that makes any sense to them. So this is the point, just like in that, in that case, to see the truth of mathematics, you have to be trained. So to see the deep truth of Krishna consciousness, similarly, we have to be trained. There is no use for someone who is not trained to bring arguments against the process of Krishna consciousness. It is not logical. Some people who are no better than dogs, hogs, like this, unsense controlled, like the materialists, uh, they're very proud of being skeptical of everything. Why? Because they don't know anything. So therefore they are skeptical of everything. Because they don't know anything for sure. Uh, being too much addicted to sense gratification. Therefore knowledge doesn't sink into their brains. So anyway, they bring this objection. Well, I have doubt to believe in your Krishna. Why don't you logically prove him to me? Huh? You give some logical scientific proof that Krishna exists. But that is like, you know, the Putzfrau coming into the two professors and looking at this piece of paper and saying, Can you logically prove to me that, that this is true? You say you've got it, but I don't see anything here. Why don't you explain to me? So how are they going to explain to her? Huh? Where are they going to begin? <laughs> No, she has to, she has, she's the one who has to get trained. She has to learn the language of this mathematical process. She has to uh, learn the ideas, how they fit together. That means much training, huh? much discipline. Yes, then she can put her criticism. Oh, dear professor, on page number 25, just see here, you've made one mistake. You see, and then, yes, oh, the Putzfrau is right. <laughs> But until she is trained, she cannot bring any argument. So similarly, someone who is a dog in human form, who comes and says, you must logically prove to me that there is a Krishna, that Krishna exists. Well, what is the logic of that? Huh? How is that logical? Someone who is totally unqualified to understand, because he doesn't follow the process of Bhakti Yoga. He has no beginning uh, no beginning in the process at all. How is he going to understand the end conclusion? Huh? So therefore, like Prabhupada said, uh, these persons, and they always come in the form of very educated persons, materially educated usually, sophisticated, they always put on this, this uh, show, I'm very intellectual, uh, therefore you have to 
you know, convince me in intellectual, sophisticated way, using big words, etc. Uh, and if you cannot do that, then I won't accept you. Prabhupada said, this movement is meant to kick in their face with boots. <laughs> Prabhupada said like that. He said, our movement is meant to kick them in the face with boot. Uh, because they are rascals. They dress themselves up like big learned persons. And they teach. And what do they teach? They teach all nonsense. They teach dogism, hogism, catism, ratism, assism, all this they teach. Animalism. How to gratify the senses in all kinds of low, nasty, abominable ways. All the while being dressed up in a nice suit, having your cigarette on a long, you know, tube like this and maybe one monocle in the eye like this looking very so-called sophisticated speaking big words but uh, doing what the dogs and cats and rats do uh, in, on the ground in holes and doing no better than that in practical activity so their consciousness is running backwards uh, the consciousness is reversed just like if your car, gets the, the gear shift lever gets stuck in the reverse gear. <laughs> so when you put on the gas, you only go backwards. So this is their condition. The car looks very nice. You know, big uh, Porsche 928. Very nice car. And someone can be impressed. Oh, oh, you drive a Porsche. Yes. Oh, let me see you drive. And then he gets in. Only can go backwards. <laughs> smashes into the wall <laughs> so uh, there is obviously a big defect so you dress up these big men professors but actually their intelligence is only stuck in the reverse gear they're going backwards to the animal level and yet they uh, dress themselves up uh, as big teachers and teach what do they teach? Sense gratification and atheism. And then these animals in human form demand from us, prove me that God exists. Show me the logic of your God. But their demand uh, is just like someone saying, prove, he was, he's arguing like this, that you prove to me the logic that two plus two is five. Show me that logic. You see? Because their whole argument against God you see they want you to prove and they want you to argue on their terms just like this you think 2 plus 2 is 5 they will say oh you are talking about God that is like talking 2 plus 2 is 5 so prove it well no one can prove 2 plus 2 is 5 because that's ridiculous but that's their system you see they have their own system worked out that God doesn't exist for this and that stupid reason uh, and then they want to drag the devotees into that and say, well, this is reality, you see? This dogism, this catism, this is logic, this is intellectualism, ratism, fishism. Uh, no! You are authorities, all right, we'll accept that you are authorities, but you're the authorities of going to hell. If someone wants to go to hell, then they can follow you. But if someone wants to go to Krishna, then they must follow the devotees. And we have our own standard. We don't need to hear 
or compare or make some kind of bridge with nonsense, with rascals. Huh? We don't need to do that. There's no, there's no requirement on our part, you know, for the sake of expanding our vision or, you know, whatever, being more menschlich, you know, discussion and all this horse stool. You know, we don't need to do that. We will just preach Krishna consciousness as it is, as Krishna speaks it in Bhagavad Gita. And we don't need to have a dialogue with mudhas. We refuse that. Instead, we kick on their face with boots. And that's what we do when we distribute Srila Prabhupada's books. We're kicking on their face. So therefore, we should be very, very enthusiastic to distribute these books. Because these rascals are very enthusiastic to lie, to cheat, to steal, to, to mistreat everyone, mislead everyone. They're very enthusiastic in a big way to print newspapers, uh, put television, radio, all nonsense, lies, rascal propaganda to bring everyone to hell. So why should we talk with these nonsenses? Why should we have dialogue with them? We just distribute Prabhupada's books, we preach Krishna consciousness as it is. And we say very boldly, these persons are cheaters. And no one should listen to them. They're dogs in human form, barking. You might as well go listen to some dog or cat. Take notes very carefully what they are saying. Or go to the cow barn, have a discussion with them. You'll get something so intelligent. So uh, this is the mission of uh, our line coming down the disciplic succession. Actually it is a very bold, straightforward preaching mission. And we should have no doubts about it. That's the whole point of following the order of the spiritual master. Prabhupada said, distribute my books. Prabhupada said, kick on their face with boot. And that's what we should do. And not have any doubts and not worry about hearing, about hurting their feelings. Because these rascals, what are they doing? They're killing every day millions of living entities by their arrangements. And we're worried about hurting someone's feelings. What is this? Just like they, the way they, they raise their own children in schools. They teach them that sense gratification is the goal of life. That you won't be happy if you don't have sex. This is the main point. It begins with this Freudian, this whole Freudian outlook. And unless you have sex, you can't be happy. You'll be frustrated. You'll get psychologically disturbed. You'll go crazy. All this. So they train everybody up in this so that by the time the kids are 15 years old, 16 years old, they're already having sex like anything. So then some young girl, and you know, 18-year-old young girl, what is what does a girl of 18-year-old know, especially if she's raised in this society? Doesn't know anything. Head empty. Head simply empty. And then she gets pregnant. What shall I do? Oh, kill the child. It's alright, we have a process. Just kill the baby. It's fine. Wonderful, we have a nice medical process for you. Don't worry, we'll take care of you. This is the training. And then in this way, this young girl gets involved in the most hellish, uh, sinful reaction. Such sinful reaction, one cannot imagine uh, the karmic suffering that comes from this decision.
but because she's foolish and she's being led by big demons, big rascals who, who pose as doctors and counselors and all these kind of people. They're good friends, uh, good friends of all the uh, population, give you good advice, kill your child in the womb, eat flesh, slaughter animals, all this nonsense. So in this way, everyone's going to hell from following these authorities, so-called authorities. And these rascals, they're the most gross uh, sense gratifiers. They arrange society like that, giving this misinformation simply because they want to live in a society, because they're intelligent, they have intelligence, but it's all cheating intelligence. They can live in a society where for them sense gratification is freely available. That's all. They want to bewilder all the innocent people, get them engaged in sinful activities so they don't know right from wrong. And therefore they promote these hellish things, illicit sex life. For instance, they tell the women, you can be free. Uh, this is the propaganda. They tell the, the young women, yes, be free. Don't, uh, don't uh, accept the, uh, the confinement of the old ways of life in which you're uh, kept in the back and you've got to wear a long dress you know and all these things and cover your head and be shy no be free and because they've trained everyone that sense gratification is the goal of life therefore the women think yes yes if, if the men are enjoying let us enjoy but you see that's that's the wrong standard that's a crazy standard sense gratification is not the goal of life I remember in the United States when I was a young boy in America um, there was a time in the 1960s of course all these liberation movements started through the whole society there was also liberation for the black people the Negroes uh, they wanted to be equal with the white men so I remember I'll never forget this I, even then although I wasn't even a devotee and I didn't really know philosophy of life very much but I thought it was so strange <laughs> because the very first evidence I saw because when I was very young you only saw in television and in magazines newspapers you only saw white people you wouldn't even know by seeing the media that there were any black people in the USA they just didn't show them but gradually because of these liberation movements then they started to appear so being a, a young kid who was very much addicted to watching television I became aware of this liberation movement through television that oh yeah now the black people are be, being given equal rights as white people and the first evidence that I saw of this was a cigarette commercial you see they were having an advertisement on the TV for some kind of cigarette and they showed, they had the camera on the street and they were asking people, what do you think of such and such cigarette? There was a whole string of people going, oh, I think it's wonderful, well, it's great, yes, I smoked that cigarette. And then the last person was a, was a black man. You see, this, this showed, now they're getting liberal. You know? <laughs> and the black man, he could say also, yeah, I, I really like that cigarette. <laughs> this, is the, this is the point. Uh, sense they make sense gratification the goal of life Yes, and then everyone feels, yes, I want to gratify my senses like everyone else. 
And then the perverted rascals who are in charge, they encourage this. Yes, everyone should be free. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Because they want to live in such a society where everyone is degraded. So for, especially they like to tell the young women, yes, be free, break all your attachments, uh, break all of your, uh, these, uh, uh, this old-fashioned upbringing, just be free. And why do they want to do this? Because they're thinking, yes, as Prabhupada said, we want lots of free prostitutes in society that we can enjoy. That's all. And then, and then they tell the women, and if you get pregnant from having illicit sex, don't worry. Abortion is there. They pass a law. You can kill the baby in the womb now. It's all right. We say it's all right. You can do this. So by their arrangement, everyone goes to hell. That's all. And these rascals, they enjoy it. They actually enjoy seeing everyone go to hell. So, my point is, in tonight's lecture, is here we see these big demons, uh, they're very boldly going forward with their plans, fearlessly. I mean, this is the most blatant e exhibition of demonism since uh, a long time, probably since uh, Ravana. <laughs> Never seen anything like this where the demons and rakshashas are so boldly coming forward, uh, spoiling the whole society. So why should we be shy? Why should we be afraid? Why should we be have anxiety that, oh, we might disturb these nice people? You know, They might think that we're fanatics. They might not understand what we're doing properly. No, actually... We should have another kind of anxiety that if we don't get these books out then this whole world will just go to hell. And just like flushing the toilet. Gone. In a few seconds. That's actually the real anxiety of a pure devotee. He's very much anxious because he's seeing the uh, living entities as they really are, uh, are. They're parts and parcels of Krishna. They're meant for serving Krishna and they're being cheated by big demons. So the pure devotee is unafraid. He goes forward, he preaches boldly. Just like when, when one of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati's disciples went to one meeting where some so-called guru was speaking, uh, who was Mayavadi impersonalist, and then this uh, disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta stood up in the assembly. Everyone was appreciating very much what this rascal was saying. Oh yes, very nice. Everything is one. We are all God. Uh, so then this one Gaudiya Math member stood up and, and said, You are a foolish rascal. You are a foolish cheater. And there was a big uproar. <laughs> and Srila Bhakti Siddhanta was very pleased when he heard this. Yeah, yes, you have done rightly. Others... Others were a little doubtful. The, some other disciples, oh, maybe this was too heavy. Srila Bhaktisattva said, no, you've done right. You've done right. That is real compassion. That's, that's what we read in tonight's verse. This word. Uh, yeah, Sarva Bhutatma Bhutatma. Compassion for all living entities. So, that compassion is manifest through a bold preaching spirit. 
a bold defiance of the demons because it is the demons who are the like it says in Isopar Upanishad Asura Nama Teloka Andeinat they're leading everyone to hell they're killers of the soul killers of the soul so real compassion means that we want to stop this and therefore if these rascals are so boldly killing the soul we will boldly save the soul very boldly and we won't make any compromise so again coming back to the point of book distribution which is the subject of Christmas marathon this is definitely the best way to stop the demons in their tracks from spoiling everyone is to distribute Srila Prabhupada's books far and wide very boldly not uh, not being too, of course Prabhupada said it should be done nicely and all that We're, Prabhupada also said you're nonsense if, if, if you simply disturb one, someone and he goes away without taking a book so we should be careful to present the book nicely but we should uh, carry on this mission with full enthusiasm full conviction give our full heart to it huh? no doubts that is the order of our spiritual master. That's the order of Srila Prabhupada. That's the order of Sri Vishnupad. That's the order of the whole disciplic succession. Do this. And if one does that with full faith, then Kurvanapina Lipite. There's no question of being entangled. There's no question of being entangled in karma. Uh, this is all liberated activity. It is free from any question of bad reaction. There's, in other words, the point is that there is no way it can be criticized. Anyone who criticizes enthusiastic book distribution is a fool, is a sentimental vashlapa, as you say. Just a sentimental fool. Cannot see what's going on. Cannot actually see what's going on in this world. How can you... How can you... If you, if you want to dissuade, discourage the devotees and their book distribution, by saying, oh, it's too heavy and we don't want to present ourselves like this to the public, then all you're doing is giving encouragement to the big demons who are slaughtering millions at every minute. What do you do for that? By discouraging the book distribution. How have you stopped this mass slaughter that's going on every day? Cows, our mother being killed by the millions every day. Babies being slaughtered in the womb. 55 million every year around the world. That's the number of abortions every year. 55 million. It's more than both world wars. The, the persons who are killed in both world wars. Every year being killed in the womb. They talk of Hitler. He only killed 6 million in 5-6 years. <laughs> These rascals are killing 55 million every year. And we should be compassionate. We should not be so heavy. <laughs> if anything, we should drop book bombs on their heads <laughs> from airplanes. <laughs> Somehow we should, someone should invent a book bomb, a Bhagavatam bomb. <laughs> should make big rockets and blow them all up <laughs> with with Bhagavatam bombs. Such rascals. 
So everyone should become very determined this Christmas marathon to distribute Prabhupada's books with full conviction. Don't care about the demons and their propaganda and their nonsense and their this whole mental world of insanity that they live in. Don't care about it. Kick them in the face with boots. Give Prabhupada's books. Be bold. Save the conditioned souls. Uh, everyone. That we don't want to unnecessarily agitate that dragon of lust in the heart uh, by giving vent to our material frustrations because that's all they are. Because we're in this material world and we have unfulfilled material desires that we're still carrying in the heart because we're not pure, of course there will be agitations and frustrations, of course. And Maya will agitate them further. Maya will make arrangements to disturb us more, to disturb our minds more. Uh, and then if we give vent, if we, if we uh, give expression to this inner frustration, which is simply our own fault, it is simply our own fault because we're not pure. But if we start to accuse others, criticize others, especially other Vaishnavas, then uh, all we're doing is making the lust in our own hearts stronger and stronger. We will find it more difficult, more and more difficult to be enthusiastic to serve Krishna. We'll find it more and more difficult to control our senses. And this, what we, this, is, this is the the seemingly the eternal drama one sees. Someone gets into this, this fault-finding criticism, they go away from Krishna consciousness, uh, they engage in all kinds of foolish activities, and they just try to justify it continually by criticizing. Well, I can't come back to ISKCON because it has this, this and that problem inside. Therefore, I'm out here doing all this nonsense. Uh, what kind of justification is that? Look at Look at Srila Prabhupada. Uh, Srila Prabhupada, he watched that whole organization of his spiritual master, the Gaudiya fall apart before his eyes. But he did not give up his service to his spiritual master. He continued on. Uh, he was the only disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta who actually uh, took up the real challenge and went, went to the West and preached. He did that alone. He, he wanted uh, his god-brothers to help, but they refused. So he continued on alone. So that is, uh, if we are all, whether we're Prabhupada's disciples or grand-disciples, we are all Srila Prabhupada Nugas. We are all supposed to follow in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada. So that is the example. Srila Prabhupada did not just sit uh, in, uh, at home in India and just say, well, Anyway, what's the use? Because everyone, everyone, every, the whole, the whole mat, the whole organization has broken up. Everyone's fighting this and that. This and that scandal is there. Therefore, what's the use? I be just better make some, you know, continue with my, my uh, drugstore business, selling medicines, make a little money. Uh, no, this was not Prabhupada's example. Prabhupada's example was uh, that. He could not forget the order of his spiritual master. He did not know for many years how to fulfill it, but he could not forget it. And gradually, just by remembering the order of his spiritual master, not being able to forget it, being so sincere and humble in heart, and somehow or other always trying to push on in some small way, uh, Krishna became so pleased with him and gave him full power. And that's what Krishna says, 
in uh, Bhagavad Gita at the end of the twelfth chapter, Yetu Dharmam Yatamitam Yatoktam Paripasate Shradadhana Mat Parama Bhaktistetiva Mepriya That devotee who simply sticks to this path, he simply sticks to this path with faith, uh, just stays on the, becomes a veteran, a veteran of devotional service, just stays there in Krishna consciousness. Uh, he may not be doing very big or whatever, but he just stays. He may not, may not be getting recognition. Others may say, oh, he's just a small timer, whatever. That's all right, but he just stays on the path of devotional service year after year, never gives it up. Krishna says, this devotee becomes bhakti te, te tivas me priya. This devotee becomes very dear to me. Uh, so if, uh, if you become dear to Krishna, then uh, that is glorious. Krishna uses those devotees who are dear to him to do the most wonderful things. Uh, Krishna is very eager, Prabhupada said this, Krishna is very eager to glorify his sincere devotee. And Prabhupada also said, this is in Bhagavatam, and Krishna is just as eager to expose his insincere devotee. The devotees who are not actually sincere but may occupy some outstanding position or whatever, uh, Krishna will expose them. But that is also Krishna's mercy. We should not misunderstand that. This again comes back to that point of fault-finding. Sometimes we see great devotees are in the ISKCON movement who are close to Prabhupada. They have their trouble. They fall down. Uh, but this should not be an impetus to fault-finding. Because after all, just consider Lord Krishna Himself uh, when uh, He pre uh, was preparing to leave the planet. He considered that yes, this whole Yadu dynasty, the Yadu dynasty, they were all very staunch devotees of Krishna. But he considered, because they're so close to me, they're such in such uh, big positions, uh, they will uh, become too arrogant later. If I leave, uh, the danger is there that they will become arrogant. And in this way, people will misunderstand my appearance. My, uh, my activities my mission because they being my devotees they will be try acting on my behalf but if they create a disturbance people will think it is my fault so then Krishna arranged that they all they had this big bloody massacre at Prabhakshetra they got drunk they fought with one another beat each other's brains in <laughs> the whole Yadu dynasty finished it so, one may think, well, what? they were great devotees of Krishna. Why did they do that? Beating each other's brains in. <laughs> Is this a way for devotees to act? <laughs> but this was also under Krishna's plan. Uh, Krishna was fearful that they become too arrogant, make too many offenses. So, uh, he arranged like that. So, uh, if we see... Similarly, now some big devotees in big positions, uh, they uh, are may go down, fall down. Uh, we should actually see like this that Prabhupada is correcting his own. Uh, we should see the hand of Srila Prabhupada. These are Prabhupada's Maharatis, just like the Yadu dynasty. They were Krishna's Maharatis. So Krishna arranged some something to correct them. Uh, so Prabhupada is doing the same. 
There is no ground, there is no reason uh, for us to uh, complicate our existence by unnecessary criticism and fault finding. Rather, one should try to always see Krishna in everything, Krishna's hand in everything. So, rather than fault finding, actually, we should use our tongue for the opposite thing, preaching. You see, Prabhupada says, the tongue always wants to make some sound. <laughs> Look at the frogs. They always want to make some sound. Croak. Like this. So, similarly, our tongues have the same tendency. They want to croak and flap, make various sounds. So, we should simply preach. Uh, use that tongue for preaching. Uh, and this will, this will slay that dragon of lust within the heart. This will kill the dragon. This will kill off the lust in the heart. Machita, matgata, prana, bodhiantas, parasvam. We quoted this verse. Katayatascha, mamnicham, tushyanticha, ramanticha. This is exactly what Krishna says. How you develop your higher spiritual intelligence and conquer over the material nature by uh, always engaging in preaching. Actually, that's Prabhupada's empire. This is Prabhupada's movement. Prabhupada's real movement, Prabhupada's real empire is an empire of preaching. It's not an empire of dhanam, janam, shundaram. Huh? Wealth, uh, followers, beautiful women. Also Lord Chaitanya says, Na kavitam, kavitam va jagadisha kamaye. Na dhanam, na janam, na shundaram, kavitam va jagadisha kamaye. Uh, kavitam also means, uh, kavitam means uh, learning, mundane education, big learning, qualification by uh, being a learned scholar, being able to say many uh, things that are interesting and captivating from the material point of view. This is another thing that is rejected by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, uh, dhanam, wealth, janam, followers, numbers of followers, shundaram, beautiful women, and mundane education. This is, these are not, this is not Prabhupada's empire. Uh, of course, we, as we said, the pure devotee, one who is highly intelligent, Sumedha, he'll use anything in Krishna's service. But these things are not essential. The essential thing is the preaching. Preaching of Krishna consciousness. So, that is the real wealth. Uh, that is the real movement of Krishna consciousness. So, just like uh, the other week, I was uh, going to Norway, uh, Bergen Temple, invited by Tilakanath Prabhu. So I had a very interesting experience uh, because uh, I was flying and, and uh, having to cross these borders and because the Norwegians also they're concerned with terrorists and so uh, so on I was traveling as a tourist wearing a suit like this a tie looking very correct you know just to get through the border and standing in a line of other persons everyone going on the plane from Oslo to Bergen and I did not know that in the city of Oslo the Sankirtan devotees the Norwegian Sankirtan party was also distributing and they were also taking the same plane to go to Bergen as I was 
this was a totally chance meeting. So I was standing in the line and uh, there was all these karmis there and we were waiting. There was this heavy security check. They're searching everyone's bags, taking them apart, asking everyone questions. So there was this line waiting to go through. And then uh, I just heard behind me, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare <laughs> And I turned and I saw the devotees, the Sankirtan Brahmacharis. And uh, there was uh, um, Tejas Prabhu, he's a Sankirtan leader. He was wearing his, his famous Sankirtan hat, which I think he's worn for the last three years. <laughs> this one old hat which he wears on the side of his head. And they were wearing their ski jackets and uh, had their bead bags and shaved heads and seekers coming out this way and that way. <laughs> and big smiles and they just came into the line and everyone was, <laughs> what's going on, looking. <laughs> they were completely in bliss. Completely. And everyone else, the whole line of persons, they were... Of course, it's a little funny, so the karmis find it funny to see the devotees that they dress and act in such a way that's just, you know, they don't care for any social conventions, <laughs> don't care what anyone thinks of them. <laughs> so the karmis, of course, they find it funny, but at the same time, you could, one could see they were amazed, they were just very impressed. Who are these people? Why they're so different, they're, but they're so happy. Uh, so everyone was looking. And then I was just talking, I was looking like any karmi actually, and I was going, Haribo! <laughs> and then they were, and the karmis were really bewildered. <laughs> so anyway, from this, from this I had the uh, experience that actually that's the real, that's the real wealth of Prabhupada's movement. It's this simple, straightforward preaching. And, uh, that's the real strength, and that's what the karmis see, you know, as being amazing. Uh, what is amazing is not huge, uh, I don't want to say anything controversial, but it's a fact, because in the material world you'll find already there are huge temples and big buildings, and you'll find movements with many members, and uh, with sophisticated organization, uh, and all, you know, all the, the, the symptoms of... Uh, success are there, also in mundane organizations. But th that's not what makes ISKCON special. It's we may use these things also, and there's no fault in that. But what makes ISKCON special is at the heart of everything there is this preaching spirit, which uh, is so, uh, actually, so wonderful, so deep, and so detached, that if tomorrow everything was taken away, all the big buildings and the Sankirtan vans and <laughs> still the preaching would go on at least for those who are who are very serious uh, they would go on just go Haribo put on their old hats and old jackets <laughs> and go out and that's why uh, visiting such a place as the Norway temple is so nice because it's the kind of place where uh, it's such a small place, first of all. I mean, in terms of population, there's only three million people. And yet the country is so huge, such a huge land. So the average is something like only 13 people are living for every quadrat kilometer. Only 13 people. 
spread out like this. Uh, and it's very wild. It's you know they have these he deep forests with bears and elks in them and, <laughs> and fjords and the roads are not very good. Uh, it's a kind of a rough place, and the weather is not so hot in Bergen. It, it rains 200 days of the year, so you know the the material situation is not so nice. There's only a few devotees, eight devotees in all in Norway. Uh, there's Tilakanath and his wife, who are the they're like the he's the temple president, she's the temple cook, and uh, in this way they maintain the temple. A very nice couple. Uh, she's and she's the only Madhaji in the whole place. And then otherwise, there's these Sankatan brahmacharis. So, uh, and the main activity is book distribution. And book distribution in Norway means driving up the side of a mountain on some road with a with a cliff that drops down 300 meters, going like this, you know, driving this, and then you come to some little village of four houses, <laughs> and you have to sell the books, and then you go on, and maybe there's a hitchhiker, you can sell him a book on the way. <laughs> so, going up, you know, going up to the uh, uh, polar circle, where the sun is shining six months, and it's night for six months, selling books up there so but there one sees that's it's the real essence of Iska the real essence essence of Prabhupada's movement is this uh, throwing aside all of the considerations and just going out and preaching selling Prabhupada's books that's where all the bliss is that's where all the nectar is and it's it's so nice to sometimes be able to be in a place where that's all that's going on and probably for years that's all that ever will go on there but the devotees are completely satisfied completely satisfied uh, and yet and things are developing in their own way uh, persons step forward they surrender uh, things uh, and in this way the opulence of the temple anyway expands but the main activity is only book distribution so uh, it's this preaching book distribution that will actually kill the lust, the material desire in the heart. Nothing else will do it. Big buildings and many cars and many followers, that won't. Because as I said, we see the materialists, they have all these things. But that hasn't created the revolution in the heart. What creates the revolution in the heart, which throws out Mr. Lust completely, the Hridya Granta, the hard knot of lust. Uh, what uh, can kick out this hard knot of lust in the heart is the, uh, we could say, the Srila Prabhupada Su Hridya Granta. The Hridya Granti means the hard knot of the heart. And Srila Prabhupada Su Hridya Granta uh, granta also means book. So Sukhrida means the pure heart. The pure heart of Srila Prabhupada uh, is, Prabhupada said, my heart is the BBT. So uh, these books, Granta, they can smash the Granti, the Hridaya Granti, the hard knot of material attachment within the heart. 
of all the materialists, of course, when we distribute books, it is cutting, just when they take a book and give the Lakshmi, they've cut the knot that, that, that link to this material world. Actually, it's already been cut. They just don't know it. But it's been cut. <laughs> just like, you know, uh, a boat, when the, a boat is tied to the shore, you can cut the rope. It's not that the boat immediately you know, drifts away across the horizon in one second. It takes some time. You can cut the rope and the boat will there be in, in, in the dock. But the waves will gradually just move it away. <laughs> gradually it will be off, lost at sea. So similarly, just by distributing books, the hard knot of attachment to this material world is cut right at that point. And gradually that fact will be manifest. These persons will, they'll become lost in their material life. They just won't know what to do anymore. And then there's the book, the Bhagavatam, sitting there. Well, uh, might as well look for the answer here. And they start reading and start chanting Hare Krishna, becoming devotees of the Lord in their own homes. So, uh, it is good, of course, for the population at large, but it is especially good also for the preacher, the one who has this mission to go out and distribute books. Because he has the wonderful opportunity to cleanse and cleanse and cleanse and keep scrubbing his heart clean and keeping it clean and getting it more and more and more clean. Because with every book he distributes, he's also again cutting the knot. Again, 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 again cleaning the heart. So the heart of a preacher is so pure, it should be shining, uh, shining and pure. Uh, in this way, the preacher can become very, very attractive in his own person to the whole population. Uh, so, uh, such a wonderful opportunity uh, to become completely purified. Prabhupada once said that a real brahmacharya, a real <coughs> pure preacher of Krishna consciousness, just by his appearance on the street, uh, big businessmen will come out of their shops and stores and offer everything. Please, take all my wealth. <laughs> Just by seeing such a pure soul. So, by endeavoring like this to distribute these books, we have this opportunity to become more and more and more pure. And as I said, this is this is the essence of Prabhupada's mission, the very essence. This is the real movement of Krishna consciousness. This is the real bliss, uh, just to go out uh, in the Sankirtan van with a few other devotees, loaded up, the van loaded to the maximum with as many books as you can fit in, and drive off somewhere some town, the next town, and give the conditioned souls Krishna's mercy. That is the actual essence, the actual bliss of Krishna Khan. It's all right there in this one activity. So, um, uh, Christmas marathon time, uh, which is now, uh, 
presents the golden opportunity to rediscover what is the essence of Krishna consciousness. Everyone can have that chance at this time just to return to the roots of Krishna consciousness. So we should not be shy about this. Actually, if you're shy about book distribution, it means you're giving comfort to the enemy. This is, this is considered to be a great crime in time of war. If the enemy comes, the enemy army comes, and you bring them into your house and you give them a cup of coffee, and then they take out their map and they say, how do we get to the next place? And you say, yes, I'll show you the best way. <laughs> you take them out and point them, go over this hill. And so that's called giving aid and comfort to the enemy. And in wartime, you can be shot for this. Uh, so similarly, if we're shy about book distribution in the time of Christmas marathon, this means we're simply giving aid and comfort to our material desires. It's the only reason. We have material desires in the heart which are manifest in our consciousness in the form of lack of enthusiasm, in the form of uh, various kinds of agitation, resenting, resentment, you know, I don't want to do it. Uh, like this, this kind of lethargic, very mundane attitude. Uh, these are symptoms of low consciousness. And if during the Christmas marathon time we, uh, uh, we allow this lethargy, this ignorance to dampen our enthusiasm to distribute Prabhupada's books we're giving aid and comfort to the enemy which is lust uh, we're actually, you know in our hearts giving Mr. Lust a cup of coffee newspaper, bringing his slippers putting them on <laughs> oh put your feet up <laughs> on my heart <laughs> relax please is there anything else I can... Shall I turn on the television for you? <laughs> like this. <laughs> Bringing him his pack of Marlboros. Lighting them for him. <laughs> Making Mr. Lust very comfortable in the heart. Uh, but Christmas Marathon is a time when we should kick Mr. Lust out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you bum. You've been hanging around here all year. But now... Get out! <laughs> and grab him by here and by here. And out the door. And then we go out the door with book bags. And just distribute those books. Just this mad enthusiasm. Actually, it should just be mad enthusiasm. What's, you know, sometimes we're thinking in this mundane way, oh, I don't want to become like this, this fanatical running around and Oh, but this is again just aid and comfort to Mr. Lust. Then what will you do? Because actually everybody's a fanatic for something. Uh, that's the nature. I'm sorry, but it's our, it's our nature that we're going to be fanatical for something. It's like someone falls fanatically in love with another person. Can't get that person out of his mind. Or some people are fanatic for... Uh, Hunting, they like to go out when they get a vacation with a big gun and shoot animals down. They have to do this every year. Or fishing. Even the, even the materialists, the mundaners, they become uh, this, this word fan. It, it's a shortened form of fanatic. Football fan, rock music fan. 
You see, when you so everyone's a fan of something. Yes, I'm a fan of this movie star or that musician or this football club or whatever. But everybody's a fan of something. So fan is shortened form of fanatic. So during this December marathon, Srila Prabhupada marathon, we should become fans of book distribution. <laughs> Fanatics for book distribution. And just forget everything else. Uh, there's no, there's certainly nothing wrong with this. Uh, and it's a golden opportunity, as I said, to rediscover the roots of ISKCON, the actual ISKCON, what it really means, and to taste transcendental pleasure, to actually taste uh, what it means to serve Krishna free from material desire. Uh, it's so wonderful. In those old days, I remember, we used to, uh, in the States during Christmas Marathon, we, it, it was just, uh, you know, devotees would just sit together and any wild idea they could come up with to sell books, we would do. We would, uh, you've, you've seen, of course, the Santa Claus, you know, putting on white beard and the red suit <laughs> or sometimes we just dress I used to just dress like one of Santa's elves Santa has his little helpers I would put on a round red nose and a little hat with a bell on the top <laughs> and just stand in the street as the cars are going by in the middle of the street to just stop cars and give them books you have a big bucket you have like a big uh, plastic garbage bucket and they just throw their money in it you know. <laughs> and then one would have his uh, jar of honey in the pocket when you got tired you just open it up and drink it straight <laughs> like Popeye taking spinach <laughs> just to keep going through the marathon. So if we absorb ourselves in this kind of ecstasy to distribute Prabhupada's books, we find ourselves becoming very, very purified in consciousness. And one actually feels satisfied. I've done something for Krishna at last. So, yes, we should not be shy at this time of year. Kick out Mr. Lust. No more aid and comfort to the enemy. Throw him out with his slippers and his <laughs> his magazines and his TV set and everything. Kick him out of the heart. Lock the door and just go out. Just do problems. Any questions? Well, the point is, Krishna says, Neha bhikamo nastasi pratyavayana vidyate svapamutiyasya dharma shatrayate mahatobayat. That one step of 
advancement on this path of Krishna consciousness is enough to save one from the most dangerous type of fear. Krishna also says, uh, uh, I will carry what my devotee lacks. I'll give him what he needs and what he doesn't have I will I will provide. So Krishna, he protects his devotee. Uh, and Krishna told Arjuna uh, that, uh, uh, what is that? Bhakti mam na pranasyati. My devotee will never perish, never be destroyed. Declare it boldly to the world, O Arjuna. So, that which you have described, yes, it might happen. We, can, we may go to our death still maintaining contaminations in the heart and we may remember uh, non-Krishna conscious things at the time of death but still Krishna has guaranteed he will protect his devotee his devotee will never perish uh, even just one step of advancement on the path of Krishna consciousness is enough to save one from falling down uh, at, in the next life so there is certainly no cause for lamentation no cause for distress Krishna will personally take care of his devotee <coughs> now how what Krishna will do for that devotee that's, that, that's between Krishna and that devotee Krishna may in any case take the devotee back to Godhead purify, forcibly purify his consciousness force himself into the memory of his devotee. Krishna may do that. Or Krishna may uh, take the devotee to the womb of uh, pious family, devotee family, that he can be trained in Krishna consciousness from the very birth. Because after all, that's the only reason why uh, our minds are so contaminated as they are because we don't have this background from birth of devotional service the most the deepest impression that is made in our lives is made in our childhood what you learn in your childhood in, from your parents in school that goes very very deep and after that after you've grown up of course you know it's very difficult to get rid of those things deep in the heart so that's the reason why we have these contaminations because for 18, 19 years <laughs> all we learned, all we heard, all we did was pure nonsense. So Krishna can help us in that way that you take birth in a family where from the very beginning even before you're born your mother will be attending Bhagavatam class hearing the Bhagavatam. So even within the womb, like Prahlad Maharaj, you can hear Bhagavatam. Uh, raised, feeding, uh, raised eating prasadam. Uh, learn from a very young age about Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. Learn to worship the deity. All these things. Learn the Vaishnava songs. Can you imagine after reaching 20, 25 years old if you have a background like that. You can only remember Krishna. You, whatever you think back in your life, you only 
<laughs> you can only remember Krishna. Everything connected with Krishna. So even you have to take birth again. If one is sincere about his service, uh, the result will always be auspicious. It's the weapon of knowledge or the weapon of pure intelligence. It has to become sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper. Because this snake is covered with these thick, you know, like scales, you know, like the... They have these thick, very thick, hard skin covering. So when the weapon of knowledge is not very sharp, you cannot really pierce the dragon of lust. So we have to sharpen this weapon more and more. And the way to do that is by Sankirtan. This is exactly what is Sankirtanaya prayer yajanti hi sumedasa. Those who are sharply intelligent. That's how Prabhupada in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the word for word, in one verse, he translates sumedasa as meaning sharply intelligent, very sharply intelligent. So those who are sumedasa have very sharp intelligence. They're going out on Sankirtan. So this is how we sharpen this intelligence more and more. Just continue to go on Sankirtan, continue to preach, uh, engage in the Sankirtan mission. Of course, Sankirtan, it's, it's a broad thing. It's book distribution, it's preaching, it's Harinam Sankirtan. But what it means is bringing Krishna consciousness to others. So one must be enthusiastically engaged in that. And then the intelligence will become sharper and sharper and sharper. And when the intelligence finally becomes pure, that's the point, then the mind becomes the best friend because the mind can only remember Krishna. Whatever you see, you're reminded of Krishna. You're reminded of service to Krishna. You can no longer see sense gratification. It's just a question of the way you look at the world. Prabhupada said, a materialist, a, a uh, uh, capitalist, when he looks at the world, he only sees, he only looks at the possibility of making money. You know, if you if you if you ever met a real capitalist, that's the mentality. You know, you know. Sometimes they even come to the temple because they want to sniff out what's going on. You know, there's something good for business. You know, they, oh, what are you doing here? And they they look at everything, but uh, the things you want them to see, they don't they don't even notice. You know, like Krishna. And, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> well, I, well, you know, where, where do you get the money from for all this? I mean, uh, you know, that's what they want to know. So wherever they go, they just sniff out how to make money. That's their mentality, and they want to expand this money making more and more and more. That's their attitude. So a devotee, a pure devotee, wherever he goes, he's in the same way sniffing out Krishna, and he wants to expand Krishna consciousness more and more. Uh, or a very low person, the only thing he's looking for is sex. You see, wherever he goes, he'll also come to the temple. You know, uh, how do you get those pretty girls to come here and stay? You know, <laughs> I really like these girls. 
that's all it's his only interest you know so and that's his business to increase sex life you know in different ways increase meditation on sex and doing it and so everyone has their their particular angle of vision so a pure devotee's angle of vision is is service to Krishna wherever he goes whatever he comes in contact with that's what he sees he meets someone he thinks how can I engage this person in Krishna's service Prabhupada when he was alone in New York that's what he was doing alone in New York he was just going around whoever he would meet he would talk about Krishna he would go into bookshops to to put his books uh, in the shop convince the owner of the bookshop please you put this book on your shelf and uh, whenever he would go in the bookshop he would also ask please bring me a drink of water just to engage the person in service you know. the person will become a little annoyed why is it whenever you come here you want a glass of water <laughs> but it was Prabhupada's even in these very simple ways he was just trying to engage whoever he met in Krishna's service so this is the intelligence of a pure devotee and one who is not pure as I said then his intelligence becomes twisted by lust that intelligence that same intelligence that a pure devotee uses to expand Krishna consciousness one who is not pure that same intelligence he'll use to expand his lust or his greed or his anger or whatever but these are the gates of hell as explained in Bhagavad Gita these things are the gates to hell so that's the point again mana evan manushanam karanam bandha mokshayo the mind the intelligence it can either be the cause of liberation or the cause for further and further bondage so therefore we we have to make a choice that's the uh, that shows that point of choice that shows how intelligent we really are if you choose Krishna that's real intelligence if you choose Maya that's foolishness that means your weapon of knowledge is, is old rusty <laughs> you know <laughs> rusty broken the ends broken off it's useless so that's the test if you choose Krishna and that's why I'm saying this Christmas marathon it's a golden opportunity to choose Krishna to just get into it forget everything else and just get into it into the book distribution and if and one should and if one thinks if one doesn't like to hear that if one thinks if I go on Sankirtan I'll suffer one should really consider what does that mean you go on Sankirtan, if you think like this, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Sankirtan is the Ananda Buddhi Varjana, the unlimited ocean of bliss. It will satisfy that desire we have to taste nectar. Uh, that's why he concludes, Parambijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtan. All glories to Sri Krishna Sankirtan, because that will give us the taste for which we're always anxious. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's statement. And if we think, no, Lord Chaitanya, you're wrong. Sankirtan will make me miserable. Then one should consider, am I a devotee or not? Actually, one should really consider that. What am I doing in this movement? <laughs> because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is God himself who established this movie, movement. He gave his opinion. You can read it in the Shikshashtra. 
prayers. That Sankirtan uh, plunges us into the, un, into the unlimited ocean of bliss. And if we have another opinion, then what is our position? Who do we think we are? This is very strange. And by practical experience, one will see, you may think that Sankirtan won't make you happy. Then, the next question is, then what in the hell will make you happy? What activity will make you happy? Let's see. Do you have anything? No. Just sex. That's all. There's bliss.